0: Welcome to Digital Marketing Intelligence for Shopify, Ask the Experts, our bi-weekly live show and podcast that features expert interviews and case studies to show you what to do and what's new in Shopify and e-commerce digital marketing for 2022 and beyond. Ask questions, suggest topics, and grow faster with actionable insights and proven strategies from the world's leading Shopify and e-commerce marketing experts. Hello everybody and welcome to Digital Marketing for Shopify Ask the Experts. I'm Marissa Morgan, I'm your show host. I'm also the Business Development Manager at Engage. On behalf of myself and the entire team at Engage, as always, I wanna welcome you to our bi-weekly interactive series. Today's special guest is an e-commerce expert with more than 20 years of experience helping grow subscription e-commerce businesses, really from startups to enterprises. He will be talking with us why subscriptions are the driving force of recurring revenue for Shopify stores. We'll talk a little bit about data and analytics, providing the energy to keep them alive and growing, and he's put together a really nice a really nice bulleted list of insights that he wants to share with us today. So I'm very excited for you to meet him and I'll be introducing him to you in just a few moments. Before I do that, as always, I want to invite you to stick around because as we wrap up our talk together with our special guest, every week we share with you our Engage News of the Week. Sometimes it's a piece of news, a tip, a trend in digital marketing. But of course, because this year our series is focused on Shopify and e-commerce, our news of the week will also be be focused on that niche as well. So you don't want to miss that. Make sure you stick around to the end of the show for our Engage news of the week. Okay, before we get started and I introduce you to our special guest, I want to share that all of our incredible time today is, 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 is from Engage. They produce our show and it is brought to you by Engage. Now, if you're not familiar with Engage, we have really exciting news to share. And that is beginning March 1st. Engage will be rolling out the latest app, the latest piece of its communication platform software. It is called SMS marketing for Shopify stores. And we all know that SMS, and maybe you don't know actually, I shouldn't say we all know, but SMS uh, messages have a 98% open rate versus emails, which have only about a 20% open rate. So if you're not yet using SMS in your marketing, in your advertising, in your promotional work for your Shopify or e-commerce, business, you are missing out on a ton of business and a ton of potential connections with prospect customers, loyal customers, and anybody who is your target demographic. Uh, and Engage makes it super easy for Shopify store owners to not only build their customer lists faster, but also save time with automation and then ultimately increase sales. And that's what everybody is looking for. Increase sales more loyal customers, and increased conversions. Engage's SMS marketing is also the only app with no code support bots. So it's very easy to use and to integrate with your current system. And to kick it off, we are giving everybody, starting March 1st, a 30-day free trial of the Engage SMS marketing app for Shopify stores and with that trial you get 500 free messages to start using right away to send out to test drive go ahead and start building those loyal customers start giving them their discount promo codes start letting them know what you have going on with your brand and if you're not a shop if you're a Shopify owner and you've not yet incorporated SMS into your store you are missing out on a huge amount of business to gain and you really don't need technical staff to put our app into play. So that is a quick word from our sponsor, Engage. Super excited. March 1st, look for it. It's the SMS marketing app for Shopify stores. Okay, without further ado, it is time for me to introduce you to our very special guest joining us today all the way from Fort Collins, Colorado. His name is Evan Paget. He's been in the industry for 20 years and has worked in the subscription niche and subscription commerce area for that entire time, which says a lot about the fact that he knows everything about subscription-based models. He has spent uh, those 20 years working with some of the biggest names in subscription brands. And I know when I say these names and these big brands, you're going to know exactly who they are. You might even remember some of the commercials or remember some of the people that these brands have done collaborations with because these brands are huge. Let's talk about just fab. Right. How about Shoe Dazzle? Those are just a few of the fashion brands he's worked with. He's also held the title of Chief Marketing Officer for Thrive Market. And he is currently at, uh, you're the CEO, right? And founder. I can't believe I
1: just. COO. COO. COO,
0: That's right. I just want to make sure sometimes when I'm typing up my notes, so we get a little (laughs) flip of a, a finger and you get an E instead of an O. He's a COO of Stealth Venture Labs. And we're really excited to have him here. He, he, He told me before the show, he's very much an analytic person by trade. He likes to focus on the the metrics, the statistics, the numbers. So we're going to talk about data, right, as it it pertains to subscription services, but he's got a lot to share. And of course, I will share our outline with you before we get into the meat and potatoes of today's talk. But before we get into the meat and potatoes, I want to know, Evan, how did you end up in such an interesting niche? Because I think we can all agree you've been in it for 20 years, but for many of us, subscription services is kind of a thing that we're just getting acquainted with over the last maybe five or six years. So tell us how you got uh, into this unique uh, career
1: path. It's pretty interesting. Um, So yeah, I've been in the industry since 2002, um, and I jumped into all things digital, uh, skipped college. So I'm not not anti-college, but I did skip college. I was kind of one of those teen guys that I was making websites from scratch on notepad and, you know, before you had tools that would make the code for you, um, got into that and just sort of always been interested in tech, kind of grew up on the, you know, dial up modems and everything digital. And then in 2002, um, had an awesome opportunity from one of my high school friends to join this company in Los Angeles that at the time was called, um, Intermix media. Uh, but it was formerly known as FloGo and this house of like content network brands. But inside that company, the biggest name uh, that's most known for is uh, it got bought for MySpace by Fox uh, Interactive Media in uh, like 2005. But we ran a product marketing division in there as well, selling all sorts of crazy stuff on the internet. Like back then, um, internet marketing was little RC cars, uh, skin creams that, you know, somehow, you know, regal creams that make your face go from old to young. Like I've done all of that um, with those people. Um, That same group of people ended up spawning the fashion businesses that uh, you mentioned. So I kind of just grew up with the industry back in the day where a tracking pixel was a one by one transparent GIF on a Um, on a confirmation page that a developer would look at a weblog and say, oh yeah, this was served 50 times. And that's how we track how many orders you got. Um, You know, now they're a lot more sophisticated. Um, So yeah, I just kind of jumped in. I've always just been like amazed with how this works and how advertising worked online, running invoices, signing insertion orders, all that sorts of those sorts of things back then, way before you could even do segmentation, right? Like segmentation wasn't even a, a concept until sort of like 2004, 2005
0: 2006 mm-hmm.
1: um, where it was like login based and you know we would sign big deals for oh we're gonna run on AOL homepage or Yahoo homepage or MSN homepage right and those were like 250 three one day media buys but you got in front of everybody on the internet basically. Um, but I just love this industry and it, I love the fact that it mixed and uh, you know, we're gonna talk about data, but it mixes data with marketing in such a way that you know before this you had television that sort of had survey ratings and trps mm-hmm. and everything like that that were like directional and somewhat you know uh, reliable but then yeah you know, i loved being able to see oh this person clicked on this ad they saw these pages of the website and transacted and had all of those timestamps all the way through i'm like there's something here like being able to target and measure that so um, yeah, a little bit about my history, sorry, as I, as I derailed there is, um, I just sort of grew up with the industry and at that company, we started more beauty brands, uh, more mm-hmm. health and wellness brands, um, acquired a company that was sort of a company called Derm store that we ended up selling eventually to, to, uh, target, um, that was all selling like skin cream and health and wellness creams. And then we got into fashion. Um, and that was an exciting journey because we sort of deviated from health and beauty creams and went right into women's fashion. And, and, um. Yeah, there was a company called Shoe Dazzle at the time doing this, and we were really interested in that company. I was at, that, I was at, at, at the company JustFab. It's all the same group of people. We just sort of changed over time. When we were really interested in that company, tried to, you know, sort of figure out something before Shoe Dazzle got big. Shoe Dazzle was like, now, nah, we're going to do this on our own. So then we built JustFab uh, as a direct competitor and saying, well, I think we could do this. We could do this better, I think, and mm. tried to jump into that space. Was very successful there. Um, my job was analytics. I was focused on creating uh, subscription models, budget forecasts, uh, sort of all things FP&A. Um, and then my role sort of grew with the company over time to taking on more shared services, building out our customer service department from like 35 people to about 600, um, and also handling analytics and then handling our customer acquisition team. As we grew, JustFab became JustFab and then required ShoeDazzle. We launched Fabletics. We had Europe entities. <sighs> we bought a company called Fab Kids that was out of the bay area that was uh for kids clothing on on the subscription model and i supported all that as like a shared service head um and then eventually jumped into the role of general manager of the Just that brand we acquired Shoe Dazzle i ran both of those companies also about a 300 million dollar PL, uh 50 million dollars a year in advertising through all sorts of uh tv and social and everything then this was 2010 2000, 2012 um awesome situation uh i've worked with those guys for about 15 years decided hey i want to see what else the world has to offer um <laughs> love those guys to death though mentors of mine and then owe a lot of my success to them uh landed at the thrive market uh subscri- very different subscription going from fashion to grocery different world um but a lot of the same problems a uh, lot more data multi skew store we had five six thousand SKUs at the time um and a, and a subscription that was a membership Annual membership base and a really cause-driven company that um, had a fantastic mission behind it. I love their what they're doing there, trying to solve the food desert problem that that is real in uh, a lot of the country. Um, did that for about a year and a half, and then landed here at Stealth. And Stealth is um, now we now I apply uh, these two decades of experience to all of our clients and and built a team around that, and that's what we do now. So that's a bit about us.
0: I love that you threw in the AOL. Uh referral there in in your question oh, yeah. uh, yeah, well, okay. because you know we we just got off super bowl weekend i'm wearing red in honor of valentine's day but the super bowl halftime show totally took i think our generation back to our college days and you know you talk about AOL and also you know what's interesting is There's been such a huge growth in what you do and what you've been doing for companies because we all know that there's been this shift away from even watching live television. You know, Mm -hmm. you talk about the AOL and the ad spending, but even watching live television now – any of the analytics really are skewed because people do so much more watching on demand or they record Mm -hmm. or they choose options so they don't even have to watch the commercials. So I think what's interesting, and you're gonna share a little bit about that today, but there are some pretty solid metrics and analytics that come along with the subscription model that have helped it become so successful and a smart way for businesses to continue to build their loyal customer base. So let me share with our audience, and by the way, if you're just joining us, whether you're watching on LinkedIn, Facebook, or YouTube, welcome to today's talk. It is live. It is interactive right now on a Tuesday, Tuesday, February 15th. If you have any questions or comments for Evan, feel free to drop those in the comment section. And of course, if you're listening on the podcast replay, welcome to today's episode. Obviously, you can't leave any comments, but we'll share Evan's information at the end of today's show, so you can certainly reach out to him directly if you do have any questions and you're listening to us on the podcast replay. So Evan, you've prepared for us an amazing outline. I'm going to share this with the audience. And for those of you listening on the podcast, of course, I'll read through this. So today we're talking about how subscriptions really are the driving force of recurring revenue for Shopify stores, while data and analytics provide the energy that keeps them alive and growing. So we'll get into talking about first and foremost, the best way to enable your Shopify store for subscription. So we'll get into that first. Then we'll talk a little bit about how do you know if subscription is a good idea? Is it going to work for your product or your service? We'll talk about that and we'll find out from Evan's experience what his insights are. We'll talk about how to properly measure and forecast for subscription. We'll talk industry norms for subscription economics, payback periods, working capital needs, etc. cetera. We'll talk about the criteria for success with subscription brands, and of course, what to look out for in regards to subscription hurdles. So what are some of the speed bumps that you may, you know, come up a- along on your drive through the world of subscription services? So uh, let's see, I do have a quick comment. Oh, nice. Marcelo, he is one, we call him one of our original engagers, Evan. He's been tuning in to our series pretty much every week. So Marcelo, a hello to you today. And of course, is joining us from Brazil. Evan's joining us from Colorado, and you've got your girl, Marissa, joining us from Minnesota. Evan and I talked about that. We won't even get into the winter weather out here in the tundra. But uh, Evan, let's dive into how to you enable your Shopify store for subscription, that yeah. model. Tell us uh, what you can share in terms of your insights, and, and how do we even start?
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of great apps already available on Shopify. We, I, My personal bias is Recharge. Um, you know, namely because my, my company here at Stealth, we're one of the first people on Recharge and sort of it covers the basis of broadly what you need subscription uh, as far as how to set products up, how to set up recurring revenue and communications around that. Um, you know, some subscriptions are um, a little bit more complicated than others. So with that in mind, you can also look at um, other subscription tools. There's Charge Me, there's Bold we are, again my bias is definitely towards recharge or building out uh if you're technically enabled with with your company and especially if you're a CTO type founder building out within the Shopify subscription API gives you the most um the most flexibility but it's also going to be code you got to maintain forever right so that's the rub um but you know determining if your business is ready for subscription i i think that there's a couple and i get this a lot like this is just one of those things where between the past couple of years, and, and sort of everyone's buying behavior, um, what subscriptions need to do, and if your business is ready for subscription. Like subscriptions, not a scary thing anymore. And I, I fully admit I was one of those guys back in the day doing negative option continuity that everyone probably remembers. That's like fourteen day free trial. We're gonna be billing you forever and ever. We're gonna make it really hard to cancel. I, you know I get that. I was one of those guys. That's my past. Um, but now. Recurring revenue companies are kind of dominating the advertising space. Um, and the reasons are pretty simple. Um, one, your your lifetime value is higher. So if you're able to pay more to get a customer, you're able to pay more uh, than the other the other person not doing subscription, you're going to do well on the advertising channels, just full stop, right? Um, so that that's like the big thing to get started so figure out what your subscription needs to be what your product how how you can create a recurring ongoing relationship with your product and brand to the customer and then within shopify there's several different options definitely try them all um i definitely recommend recharge but definitely try them all because some are better for say if you're um licensing content versus uh consumer packaged goods uh versus um you know, sort of other subscriptions that exist, a- a- app access, things like that. There's different tools that might be better suited there.
0: Wonderful. And so I put that up for everybody. It's called Recharge. It's an app and it integrates right into Shopify and it sets your Shopify store up to get into that using that pers- subscription model, right?
1: Yeah. And it, it, it's just, it's a lot of times, say the average subscription, right? The, the typical subscription, say you're a subscription box company where you have a bunch of different products in a box and you're selling it on a recurring basis of some kind could be monthly, like every month. Let's late.
0: talk about this, the ring box. Cause I'm newly engaged. Oh, every month no, you price. get a box. Thanks. Every month you get a box. Right. And it's filled with all this fun stuff that says like bridal babe and soon to be wifey and all this like super fun girl stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And you pay a subscription fee and every month the box gets delivered to you. So, okay. So let's use that business model mm-hmm. for example. Okay.
1: So um, with that business model, right, you are, there's a sequence that they probably figured out for you. So based on when you're, I bet you probably had to, or someone had to put in your you know, wedding day. So there's a sequence coming up to that. They've curated a big thing with subscription here. This is a perfect segue because I get to drop sort of the main criteria. You got to curate something. You got to create something that um, is a countdown of sorts and the things you're wanting to do. And, you know, if you're getting closer to your wedding day, maybe it's the nerves kicking in, maybe it's the planning, maybe it's overwhelmed. I don't Uh, think
0: they put Xanax in those bridal boxes, though.
1: Yeah, probably not. But (laughs) but do they put essential oils or incense or something like that? Right,
0: right? or the calendar countdown or sleepy eye masks so you can get your sleep. Yeah, exactly. They probably do. They do. Um,
1: So you would set that up in a a tool like Recharge, where you can basically go in and say, "Hey, here's the sequence of boxes that that we're going to ship out. Here's the subscription. Here's the messaging." Um, and you know, you go through and, and now you're on a subscription. Now, I don't know what they do after your wedding, I don't know if that turns into a, a different type of subscription Ooh. or a self care, uh, maybe you know, preparing I,
0: for the honeymoon or yeah, something. Yeah, there you go. I'm sure, they, um, I'm sure they got that figured out, but yeah, but like,
1: but all of these goodbyes like, now you're getting something if it was a gift or if it was something you, you opted into, um, you're getting something that is interesting to you because of your big event coming up. Uh, it's interesting to you because it maybe it's fun things that take your mind off of it, like the stress of. I remember when I, when, um, I got married to my wife, she was planning our wedding about 10 years ago. Oh, I'm so glad ago. you got
0: married to your wife!
1: That's yeah, good. thank goodness, right? That'd wife. have been awkward. Yeah. Um,
0: got married um, to my girlfriend, got married to my preacher,
1: yeah. <laughs> no big deal. We just, uh, you know, it's a very complicated family situation, now, yeah. Um,
0: okay, so you got married to your wife, the, good. The,
1: good. <laughs> But the stress of all that was real, so this probably solves a pain there.
0: Um, yeah.
1: So anyway, the fact of the matter is, you could turn on a subscription on Shopify if you got a product. You could be up in hours um, with any of the tools ah. out there, really. Um, that that'll help you be able to set your business up. But the the nuance there, the nuance with subscription, um, and this is kind of jumping ahead a little bit. But I want to talk a little bit. It's good segue to talk about sort of what we think are the five criteria for being able to launch a brand. This is just something that we've seen time and time again, but the brands I've worked with, my business partner, Brent Freeman, the, the actual founder here at Stealth, he kind of, he tells a story, but he went, um, you know, got a cabin in the woods, turned off his digital uh, everything and just sort of came back with like what he believed. And I, I fully buy into this or the five criteria of, of having a successful business. And this applies to subscription. This applies to anything sort of digital. Um, but we, we, we look at, Businesses we build internally and brands that we take on as a service provider in this light, uh, it kind of helps us understand: um, is this business viable? Is it scalable? Uh, and where are those um, where are those roadblocks going to hit? Because growing a business is not this right; it's step function growth. You're going to have things that break every some odd amount of new subscribers or customers. Um, we all wish it was a linear up into the up into the right graph, but it's just not. Um, so the first thing that we look at is, does it have a passionate audience behind it? Um, okay. And 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 that just means um, it's, it's a defined set of people. Um, you could have people that are into outdoors. You can have people that are getting married. You can have people that are having a baby. You can have all these people and all these different, they're passionate about what you're selling. Um, and you okay. can identify them. You can find them based on psychodemographics. You can find them based on, Life stage, events, age, all of that stuff. Hey, you I, gotta have that. Um, yeah.
0: Can I ask you a question then? Yeah. Because one one of the subscriptions I think about is uh, like a health supplement. Mm-hmm. Could it also be maybe that they're not passionate about it, but they have a pain point that is like recurring? Therefore, you know, they're going to get your product once, but they're dealing with something that might be a very long-term problem. So they don't want to deal with like this idea. They have to order it every month. They'd rather just be on a simple subscription because their pain point is almost their passion.
1: That's so you jumped ahead to point number five on that list. Ah. We didn't even plan that. That's amazing. No. okay. The the, the, the fifth point in no particular order, is that it solves a market pain. Um, So what you're kind of saying is I can't get this regularly, I I have a problem say that's chronic, or I just want this regularly, I I need food meal at home subscriptions are a good example, right? Because most people would like to eat and when they're on a meal (laughs) at home subscription, they're going to keep eating. So it solves a pain of convenience, usually, or Mm -hmm. lack of convenience, if you can't get this stuff delivered to your house. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the scarcity of the product. So it's not something that you could just go to your local convenience store and buy it's it's unique, it's it's effective. And that that's the one of the criteria as well is just, does it solve a pain in the marketplace and does it, is it unique enough to do that? Um, Second point jumping back up. um, So we've already covered two is that it's uh, it's got scale potential. So um, what this means is simply like, look, you're going to have passionate people that are underwater basket weavers. They, they, they exist. You get those thousand customers. They're probably not adding a lot of new customers all the time. Right. But they're passionate about, so it meets that criteria, but is it scalable?
0: Hmm. Probably
1: not as scalable as you like, but people are always getting married. That's a huge audience. People right. are having babies, huge audience. Or having a baby or, eating.
0: or health needs, um, right?
1: So, like, does your product have a, a potential to scale with a big enough audit audience, or can it grow into that? Right. Because show me a brand that's just been the same single product forever. It doesn't, it evolves with time as well. You add on, I use my my past when I was at Just Fab, we started out with just shoes. Then it was shoes and bags, and there's shoes, bags, and apparel, um, and all these things at the time. There's just evolutionary steps you take, but the scale potential there is pretty much all women looking to be fashionable on on a budget. It was that's you know huge audience. Um, the the next criteria. So now we covered three. The next criteria is a unique product. So if you're selling the same thing that exact same thing that everybody else is selling then you're only going to kind of racing to the bottom for price and unit economics and that's hard to mm-hmm. come into and just be like a me too in in you know that space like there's enough room for everybody to play but if you're literally selling the exact same thing as your competitor you're not a differentiator you have to have some point of differentiation that that could be um, you know, concierge services that could be style, like if you're in fashion, it could be actual access to a stylist or could be relationships that you've built with, um, you know, beauty brands as well as fashion brands. So There's just, you got to have something unique. And if you're just a me too, doesn't mean it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It just means that you're going to have a harder time because everyone's going to say, well, like, why are you better than the next one? Right. And, and if you can't differentiate yourself, articulate that differentiation. And that's one thing that I think founders really struggle with is like, oh, we're different. And here's why. And it's like, yeah, but like, how do you explain that to a consumer? Like we have a zero waste supply chain and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, but that's like, you're you're two times more expensive than your competitor. Like people aren't going to buy that. Um, Interesting.
0: Hey, you know what that made me think of too? Uh, you really truly do have to be unique because something that I, I don't think I've done it like substantial amount but a few times sometimes you see a product they offer a special value to get you into the subscription Mm -hmm. it's solving a pain point it seems like a great unique product you've never seen something like it before maybe it's the first of its kind so you go for it maybe you get it you know sent to you the one month at that special rate Maybe even the second month you pay the full price, you're using it, but then before you know it, you start seeing other products start popping up that literally seem like they do the same thing. Yep. And they're like, oh, hey, the first month it's like half price. And you're going, oh, well, I don't know if I want to keep paying full price for this one. Okay. I could just hop over on this subscription for a month and try theirs. It's like there, I'm sure there's people that are almost like subscription hoppers because they always oh, want yeah. the best deal. But when your product is truly not unique you're bound to start to lose customers as more competitors are coming in using that same model, you know, 100%. especially on the same platforms. Yeah.
1: So the, so, uh, the, the key with that, and that's what any subscription company is also going to have subscription. It's not enough to just keep putting stuff in a box and sending it to people. Subscription companies develop an ongoing relationship with their consumers. You have to, I should say the best subscription companies do. Um, by, by having your brand in your communications, I love you were talking about at the beginning of this call, SMS is a huge component now. It's, it's very literally taking over how, uh, commerce is changing right now. And I think that there's a world of, um, what I'm calling sort of flexible subscriptions of, or like sort of soft subscriptions that exist between that, you know, between traditional e-commerce. And regular subscription is the ability to, to either opt in or quickly opt out of like, do I need more product this month? Yes or no. Um, and doing and that, that over text.
0: Yeah. And that feels really good as a customer because it makes you feel like you have control. Yes. You don't feel like you're locked in. You're like, oh, I, I have two bottles. I really don't need this third one sent to me. It's so easy. You just find that last text and say, hey, no, I'm good for this month.
1: Or sometimes exactly. even
0: ask permission before they send you the next one. And you're like, wow, like they're really giving me control here it's great it's
1: yep. good feeling and that and that's a, that's a great consumer mentality so i think that the opting in opting out depending on the brand and the need definitely is where we're going and then the last piece I'm, i'll throw in here with the five criteria is uh it's pretty much related to what you just said it's compelling economics so the compelling economics, economics piece is we always look at brands that when you deliver your product to the customer uh your fully loaded sort of gross margin is around 50% meaning if you're selling a product for $100 to a customer, that that order is worth $50 to you. Um, before SGNA and and everything sort of below the cost of goods, your team and all and marketing and everything, just your hard cost getting it there um, makes sense. And then from there, you apply simple math on what you can spend on media, where you can spend against the customer LTV. And like let's say that their LTV is $400, just using easy numbers. Uh, that means you're going to make $200 in margin at a a 50% um, gross profit margin, right? And then, you know, maybe, hey, you can spend $75 to acquire that customer and still have $125 left over for team and reinvestment and for profit because businesses, you know, like to generate profit. Um, So it's got to have compelling economics um, in order to make sense. And like where it gets really dicey, right, Um, is you have products that seem like, oh, this would be a logical subscription but shipping is way too expensive because you have to cold pack food, right? You have to use dry ice and cold pack food. Heavy bottles boxes. of
0: wine, right? The wine companies
1: you, have have that problem, right? Yeah, and, like, and they,
0: they pay extra for the signature because yep. now they need to check IDs to make sure you're over 21,
1: you know? Correct. So, like, be, having those compelling economics, like, you can have, like, there's a lot of unfortunate subscription companies that that struggle because they have a great idea, but they Mm -hmm. can't get it to the consumer at the right price and -hmm. and the price that makes sense to the consumer because dirty little secret for every consumer out there, you know, you're not getting, the cost to you is already marked up 50% from the cost of the person that sold it to you. Um, But that's, that's the nature of things. So like you see brands that struggle because of the delivery side of things and the cost Mm -hmm. to get things delivered because it's like, well, a consumer is going to be like, I'm, Paying, wine club is a good example. I'm paying more for this bottle of wine here online than I would at the store. Like that's that's backwards to traditional thing. is supposed to be cheaper, right? Online is always right. cheaper. Um, so then, but what but clubs like Wink and, and all those others do for wine clubs is you create an ongoing curated relationship. Rare wines, you're not going to get. This isn't just your stuff that's sitting on the grocery store shelves. It's rare, it's unique, it's curated, it's an experience. It's got some tangible or intangible aspects that drive you emotionally to keep uh, a part of that club. And that's the key with subscriptions. Like that is what makes a subscription go from being a flash in a pan to being a household name is creating that connection.
0: I love this. Okay, so just to uh, repeat, so it's passion. You want a audience that is passionate about the message, the brand, the idea, the world that Mm -hmm. your subscription is based in. Uh, We wanna talk about maybe solving a pain point because that pain point can be that person's passion as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Something that's scalable. Underwater basket weaving, we've discussed not the best (laughs) subscription. Maybe not the best subscription. like, you know, Target. Something really unique because A, you've got the competition that's out there, but you want to, you obviously want your subscription and your product or service or whatever to stand out and be able to build and grow and keep that loyal customer base. And then compelling economics. Obviously, you want the economic side of things to make sense because if someone yeah. is expected to pay too much, it's an automatic turnoff. We all know that from a consumer standpoint, but from a business standpoint, you need to make sure that it's a business model that makes economic sense to you, yep. the business owner. Speaking of business economics here in the economic um, uh, side of things, I got a great question from Marcelo. He just oh. said, one of the great challenges, it's funny, he said this before he said it. He goes, one of the great challenges of subscription economics is to control and understand the churn rate Yep. So he did have a question for you Evan if you'll if you'll take a moment. Absolutely. He says, what proactive actions do you think the company can take to anticipate potential customer and revenue loss events? So is right. there some proactive thing or things companies can do to anticipate losses that might happen from, you know, customers returning or obviously prices going up in shipping? Uh, yeah, th-
1: so this is actually like a cornerstone question of subscription. So I'm going to go, we'll probably go a little deep with this one, which is the financial planning and analysis side of things, which is also part of what I was going to talk about anyway, is very important Um, because you can anticipating churn is anticipating your consumer metrics throughout churn revenue timing of all that is absolutely necessary for a subscription business. And churn is one of those. You will not keep hundred percent of your subscribers. Um, we have, I would say from my experience working now on, Oh goodness. I don't know about 60 to 70 different No, more than that, about a hundred, call it a hundred different subscription brands. I would definitely say I have a pretty good idea of industry standards and norms on churn things you could do to help churn. Um, very simple one, be transparent with your communications. Um, this isn't, the wild west of the internet anymore people want to be able to cancel their own uh, accounts i believe now as a staunch believer that giving people the, the ability to control their subscription um is a necessary thing um uh, meaning they can cancel their own stuff they can put it on pause giving people that control through digital management will save you money on customer service keep ha- customers happy and let them really see the value of your subscription because when you're just continuously pushing your product at people, um, they, they, there's going to be a resistance at some point. Someone will have too much stuff and they're going to want to cancel and they're going to call your customer service or email and you have to pay an agent to solve that. And there's all these extra costs, Um, like, like just let people control it. So, and then two, be really upfront with your communications as in, um, Email communications about the timing of the product, what's in it, when it's gonna be there, when your next one's going to come. Transparency is key. You are establishing a long-term relationship with your customers and people that leave. Like, don't get tied up on the ones that leave, be um, nurturing the ones that stay. And like, those are the ones that are going to help you evolve your subscription platform. Um, so the so that's like, just some of the tactical things you wanna do always out the gate. Um, but then the it, bigger thing. Oh, these
0: pardon. are all such good tips. I know Marcelo's listening and I'm just like, keep going, uh, keep going. Yes. <laughs> um,
1: the big part of all, when you good get, get into subscription, this is what I get also asked all the time is like, how do you model this? And I would say that I've spent about half of my career in different stages of forecasting and modeling subscription products. And um, what you have to do is create a, what I call a waterfall or a, a subscription recurring revenue model that sort of looks at. New customers in, new customers out, churn from every single cohort. A cohort I would define as a month's new acquisition. It's a finite number. It doesn't change in the past, right? You got a 1,000 new customers last month. The history books are going to write. You always had a 1,000 new customers last month. And you monitor them. And you look at their predictability of their revenue, the costs associated with them. Um, the demand that you're going to need for supply chain, because all of these things, like without a good working pro forma model of some kind for subscription that predicts all of these, all of these elements, you will not have a grasp on your subscription business. And there, there's an mm. equilibrium there. There's ordering product and subscription companies fail all the time because they, they push down the gas. They're like, oh, we got this. We're going to get all the new customers in the world. I'm just going to reinvest my marketing dollars. And then all of a sudden they have a supply chain snafu they lose 20% more customers than they expected because they couldn't procure their inventory or the inventory is a month late because they didn't forecast the downstream demand or they didn't have uh, the team in place to hire for customer service or logistics or didn't anticipate the cost going up from their 3PL. Um, And then all of a sudden, uh, this is a great tangent, if you want me to go into like the, the working capital needs and all this, like- Sure, sure. This is like the thing that you need to prepare for is understanding how to grow your subscription responsibly And what that's going to do to your cash position. Um, And that's, that's obviously your resource primarily for growing your business. So I'll give a good example. When you're coming to market and you're growing your subscription brands, people ask me all the time too, like how fast should I be getting paid back on my subscription? I would say an industry average for a healthy subscription brand is about a three month, what I call media payback, three or four month media payback. Meaning if you acquire them for $50 Fifty dollars in gross margin dollars, you are getting that back in about three months. Um, it could be a little different if you're a quarterly versus a monthly, but that's an average time frame, I would say, from my experience. Some companies that are very rare, they get their media payback up front, meaning they're selling a box, let's say, for hundred dollars, and they're they're getting customers for twenty five dollars. That's very rare. That's ripe for someone else to come in and compete because if you're able to get your media payback that quickly, that's and in, in very rare. I've seen only a few of those in my lifetime, really. That can be scalable. And then longer media payback doesn't mean it's bad, but what it does mean is you need more working capital tied up in marketing. And let me give you the, the basic math on that. If you have, say, three months media payback, period, looking at when you are have gotten the return on your media dollars to, re-acquire, or to acquire customers, that means that you need three months of media spend as working capital. So if you're spending $50,000 a month on advertising, let's just say, you're always going to have $150,000 tied up in sort of recurring uh, working capital to keep your marketing machine going where it's at. Well, guess what happens? With success, you're like, oh, I'm going to dial up spend this month. I could spend $100,000 this month because we're getting customers at a customer acquisition cost that's fantastic. Well. Now you've turned your 150000 over three months into four or $300,000 in working capital needs that has to come from somewhere to keep your marketing machine going. And let's just say what happens is your, your customer qualities, maybe it slips a little bit. Maybe your media payback's closer to four months now. Companies get shocked with their own success if they're not planning, because $150,000 of working capital for media, for a lot of entrepreneurs and for a lot of businesses that are coming up, you could get that on an American express. Like, you know, they have pretty flexible terms there to do that. But all of a sudden if you need $400,000 in working capital for advertising, Oh, by the way, now you need to buy more inventory. That doesn't Mm -hmm. even, that's just media spend. Now you have Mm -hmm. to buy more inventory to support this increased customer growth. It is super easy because you're just, some entrepreneurs are just looking at like, Oh my gosh, my CAC is so good right now. I just want to keep spending. Well, shoot. You broke something that you didn't even realize you broke it because now you're not going to be able to keep up with your media spend because now you've spent more on media. You don't have the capital to go buy uh, more inventory for that recurring customer hitting every month. And mm. maybe one of your vendors for one of your products is like, yeah, we had a, we have a boat that's still out there that's got your product on it. It's a, it's a month delayed. I'm sorry. We can't get it to shore i was then, just
0: gonna say supply chain issues hello add yeah. that in there and you hit it yeah exactly
1: FP&A, financial planning and analysis as you jump into your subscription business you need to be able to monthly update your model and forecast so you know what you have to outlay and when and if you have to go seek short-term working capital type options like the clear banks or the Brex of the world actually see, seek outside funding and go close around um whatever you have to do because success with subscription is kind of a wave that you, you're kind of you live below the line of, of profitability but subscription the a subscription is the compounding effects of multiple um cohorts layering on top of each other a building subscriber base ends up at some point kind of living from below the line to like a hockey stick curve up um but if you're not prepared for that with working capital then you end up sort of staggering you can ruin parts of your brand and your brand experience and that's 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 a bummer (laughs) to say the least. So financial planning and analysis, looking at churn, looking at return rates, looking at um, customer cohorts and anticipating all of their movement throughout month over month over month. uh, That little ounce of prevention uh, will save you massive headaches with your brand. and, And that is the key with subscription. It's an investment in the future
0: great explanation i have to say and marcelo says very great explanation as well thank you so much Love it. great question marcelo that was a perfect question to really dive us into that next point that we were about to jump into it's kind of crazy like it's it's the idea that yes you want to predict as much as you can what the future holds but at the end of the day the reality is we all don't know mm-hmm. and Yes, you want to get excited, and yes, as more sales come in, and yes, as you get more subscribers, you obviously want to invest more in the company, but you have to remember, especially with a subscription model, you can never allow that subscription to lapse or that completely ruins the entire goal that you've spent all this time working towards. So being yeah. able to have the product, being able to advertise, being able to, again, spend the dollars to create these great, you know, automated marketing campaigns using SMS, all these things, um, the whole entire model can just be literally ruined if you yeah. get a little bit ahead of yourself.
1: Super easy to break. It's easy to to not break if you're, if you're looking at it, but like you get brands that just want to be like, oh, I'm going to jump into recurring revenue because everyone loves recurring revenue revenue keeps your keeps your bad months good and keeps your best months great but like this is you have to think ahead otherwise you can run into problems and like sometimes with some brands like i've seen it happen first and second hand brands that you know sort of get ahead of their skis end up failing on their brand promise because they missed out on inventory They, they just like couldn't ship things for a month their subscriber base lost their mind they lost a lot more money and then like you could see really easily how the balance, like if you're paying attention, keeping the equilibrium of things isn't too Mm -hmm. hard as long as Mm -hmm. you're paying attention. But let's just say you went really big and then you stumble, but then you bought inventory that now you can't sell. Then you have capital basically sitting on your warehouse shelves because it's money you can't tap into until you sell the product. And now you have to sell that at a loss or sell that at break even just to extract that capital back, especially if you're in fashion or anything trendy of the moment. Like, it's easy to do as long as you do some basic for financial planning and analysis. But if you don't and you're just like, ah, subscription's fine, you can get caught by surprise and then capital markets could end up being very rude to you or you're going to have to get go out and get money on terms you don't want because you have a brand doing a company or bank doing diligence on you. They know that you're running into that problem. You'll give up more points than you'd like on investment just because you have no other option if you want to keep your business going. So... FP&A, do not forget it.
0: And on next week's episode of Evan Pageant's Retirement uh, Investments Talk, <laughs> you're good. You're good with the finances. I bet you've got a nice, healthy retirement fund, really ordered and ready to go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you know, especially because when you tack on to everything that you said, and we touched about it, when you talk about even supply chain issues, you know, you are making your customers a promise. And when they are receiving, let's just say it's a subscription box. When they're receiving that and it's of a certain quality and a certain caliber, if all of a sudden, as Evan shared, you're in a situation where you can't get the the product that you need or there is an issue with your finances or something stuck on a boat, yeah, you can also go and like supplement your boxes with other things. But again, if those things aren't the same quality and caliber that these customers are used to, bam, you've also severed the relationship because now you've severed the trust. You know, trust is a big thing. We talk about that all the time. The trust between the customer and a brand is imperative. And once you like, that trust, you know, they tell everybody, oh, yeah, I had that service, and then it sucked. They started selling me like, sending me, like, pink stilettos, and they know I only wear nude flats, and that was in my profile. I can't believe it, yep. you
1: know? so it, Like, with fashion. So this is, like, the, the hardest part with fashion subscription boxes, which I think are the ones that do it the best are so unique because um, fashion is, like, people – People recognize when you go out and you go get uh, off-brand inventory because your, uh, your your hero product got sunk on a boat. That, that's a real story. I've had that happen uh, in, in the shoe business. Um or it comes in bad and then they have to wait so
0: are there sharks out there wearing like pink stilettos oh absolutely like absolutely
1: <laughs> munching on you know fake leather uh fake leather they knee high bags. boots um, yeah that's great but like but that really happens and, and customers will notice that they're like oh what the heck like they, they usually give me good stuff but now there's like this thing i don't like it or there's this like the quality on quality. this fabric is not mm-hmm. good and all it takes especially in fashion or especially in anything that are anything that is trendy it takes one slip up and customers will notice that and then they will flock to your your socials and be like what's going on with the box this month like why is this like why is this shirt why are these shoes like worse quality than i've ever seen you guys before and now all and you got dozens or hundreds of customers being like i thought the same thing and now you've just created a problem that that you have to, you know, it's a hole you're gonna have to dig yourself out of. And um, so yeah, planning just so critical. (laughs) And that takes
0: us really to this last uh, piece that we wanted to touch on before I let you go today, talking about some subscription hurdles, right? Yeah, Uh, we talked a little bit about um, obviously the importance of balancing, um, you know, creating a financial plan. We've talked just now a little bit, if you're just joining us, we were just talking about um, the importance of building trust and how easily that can be broken if you're not providing the quality products. Uh, is there another hurdle um, that you've seen in your experience that's that's just a really big one that we can touch on? before? I yeah,
1: it, it kind of circled around it in, in a few different ways, but the biggest hurdle I see is um, you know, brands really trying to figure out how to make their, how to transition to subscription revenue and recurring revenue. And like, that's like the biggest, most complicated hurdle is, you know, what would my audience, what would my brand be better at when it comes to recurring revenue? And sometimes um, you really have to get creative with that because you would think, you know, I just sell coffee mugs on my website. Well, how would I make a coffee mug subscription company i'm just really pulling something out of thin air here (laughs) like i just sell a bunch of coffee mugs people but like look there are one people that like thematic coffee mugs you know and fun coffee mugs two um there are you know you can pair that with say a coffee subscription or a coffee supplier and, and create a mug and coffee of the month company um three you could just take those five the five pieces of advice that we gave earlier in this and look at like what could what would people use monthly um, to, to satisfy either maybe their wanderlust of like, I used to go places and collect coffee mugs everywhere I go. Well, now people maybe aren't traveling as much for the moment. How do you how do you satisfy that? So it's really just trying to understand the biggest single hurdle is how do you make a recurring revenue model out of your business? After that, it's the patience of actually testing out, listening to your customers, and being willing to change and modify and test because I could, you can. I rarely, rarely. I, I'm talking about like three or four times. Really, seeing a company come out of the gate with the right subscription product, um, they will need to adjust their pricing, their promotion, their positioning. They'll need to adjust something to make it right. So you got to have flexibility there, but stay committed to a subscription and recurring revenue model, and you will find a way to create new lines of recurring revenue for your business. Um, then after that, the hurdles are just like what technology to use, uh, how you want your brand to express itself, other kind of hurdles like this, because um, you have to keep in constant communication. Again, do not just be a company sending a box of stuff every month and say, hey, your box of stuff is here. Like yeah. that doesn't fly anymore in the subscription atmosphere. You need to be part of a bigger cause. You need to have a, a social cause behind your brand. It's something we at Stealth Institute with everybody we work with, um, making sure that your brand stands for something. Find a way to give back in some capacity, donate a percent of your profits. Or uh, if you're a beach wear company, you do like heal the bay or something like that. Yeah, do a
0: bay cleanup or something. Something like
1: that. Just stand behind that a little bit more because all of that stuff is positivity that people are contributing to. So they're not like, you know, people may not donate directly to your cause, right? But they will, they will give their money behind a company that's trying to be better than just a for-profit enterprise um
0: they will um, respect I mean, you more for exactly it, and right? that could be the difference
1: between one or two more billing cycles which could be you know a 20 to 40 percent boost in your lifetime value of a customer mm-hmm. very easily so th- th- those are the main hurdles just deciding how to do it what to do and then being able to put in the effort and recognize it is harder Uh, to do a subscription product correctly, but the rewards are so much greater.
0: What's funny is when you were sharing the coffee mug example, Evan, of a subscription service, I think we missed the boat because I came up with a great idea. If we had done, if you and I had teamed up and we had done a coffee mug subscription service throughout the COVID journey, every month documenting like COVID month number one, Definitely don't need as much coffee. You know, I'm working remote. Like life is good. Like a little saying every month. And then it's like COVID. Transition to shot
1: glasses by 18 months, right? Yeah, right.
0: Transition to a wine glass at six months. Like gotta love working remote. Like I can have happy hour during my two o'clock meeting. Like no one even notices. Or yeah, the month number three, there's wine in here. You know, (laughs) there's wine.
1: I'm surrounded by booze right now. You don't even know. Um. I love it.
0: I love it. (laughs) Hey, Evan, I want to thank you so much for coming on to our series, Digital Marketing Intelligence for Shopify, really sharing some wonderful insights and experience with us. I feel like you we have just really scratched the iceberg, scratched the script.
1: scratch the iceberg tip of the iceberg scratch the surface
0: scratch the surface there it is in the world of subscriptions but also you shared a lot of information in such a short amount of time so I want to thank you so much for organizing such a great talk with us do you have a moment to stick around with me as I share our engage news of the week
1: and then I'll share
0: with how our audience can connect with you yeah absolutely Okay, super. We've been talking a lot about Shopify. So I think this week's News of the Week is really on par, especially when we talk about incorporating subscription services with Shopify. So I'm actually going to pop a slide up. I made the points I was going to share with you into a quick slide. That way it's easy for you guys to follow along. But this week's Engage News of the Week, let me pop up our little banner. There it is. Um, Is really comparing some of Shopify's benefits Um, and how they look next to some of their competitors. Because Shopify is very proud of the benefits that they offer their uh, customers. And there really are some real benefits to using Shopify compared to other platforms. And they outline that really nicely in a slide. And I thought I'd share that with you guys at home. So I'll pop this up and kind of read through it. On the green side is our Shopify benefits. And oh, Hold on, I'm gonna take that down because it has a competitor name on it. Thought I got it all out. Um, Hmm, Let me see something. I might be able to edit this quickly and put it back up. Hold (laughs) our thoughts because we don't wanna put any, I'll just read through it. We'll just- There
1: you go. Okay. Okay. All right, so
0: we're talking about essentially Shopify versus some of its competitors. So Shopify is very excited to say, listen, if you use Shopify's app and platform, They're going to pay you in one to three business days. I mean, that's pretty impressive to me. Other platforms, other competitors, sometimes you have to wait up to 45 days for your payouts. So that's a huge benefit with using a Shopify platform. Shopify also doesn't charge listing fees. That's impressive because other companies can charge up to 20 cents per listing. Think about every product you might have in your Shopify store or in your e-commerce store. That starts to add up. Shopify allows you to easily sell and integrate on Facebook, Instagram, and Google. Other competing, competing, not a word. Other competing platforms will sometimes charge you a five percent fee per transaction when you use other platforms and not the home platform. And then also with Shopify, they're ex- they're excited because they allow you to grow your own audience and really grow your brand. Uh, whereas some other competitors, you're really dependent on that platform's traffic. People mm-hmm. have to go to that search engine and then eventually find your store or find your product or search for your product via category. So any thoughts on just those couple uh, benefits I shared? I mean, to me, it seems like hands down, this is why Shopify right now has uh, millions and millions of users and successful businesses being run through it. But yeah, you, it's just, it seems like the proof is in the pudding
1: yeah i mean the working capital piece on, on holding your funds if you're really trying to create a brand that you're going to advertise against so as an advertiser uh i i find that many of those competitors are not uh the, the 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 money sort of being chipped away and the cost going up to advertise your own product like something like shopify gives you over overall control and i'm going to show my bias at the door like i mm-hmm. whenever people are like hey I need to build a company or I want to build a brand. I want to be selling my product. Like, where should I do it? I've, I've helped my friends build like art websites and a hobby websites and things like that. It's just so turnkey. It The terms are friendly, the costs are low, and you have control over your customer base and your file there. Um, and, and companies like Shopify, you know, $150 billion market cap company, they're gonna continue to reinvest into this platform and become, um, you know, continue to become leaders there. Uh, or maintain their, I should say, their leadership position. So um, what I love about that is control. And I come from a world of, like the first 15 years of my career, I worked at companies that never even used outside services. We built our own tech stack. We built everything from the ground up and seeing like the things you could do now with uh, by yourself that used to take teams and and millions of dollars and development hours and resources. Just can't go wrong with um, the benefits of owning your own, Um, domain and your own platform versus, you know, borrowing it. Renting,
0: renting space on somebody else's couch. Right. I will say I I do know a few of the competitor platforms may not charge a fee to start. So there is that immediate gratification. Like, Oh, I don't have to pay anything. I can just get my products up right away. But again, as Evan shared, if you're building a brand and you want to truly Build something that's going to be long term. You need to think long term, and you need to Correct. think about what's ultimately going to help build your brand. Short term
1: cost, long term benefit.
0: Bam! And we scratched the surface just barely today. I love it. I love that. Scratch the tip of the iceberg. Definitely not a saying, but I might just it say is now. It. <laughs> you guys, I had so much fun with you today, and with Evan. I want to share with you how you can connect with Evan after today's show because he is not. Only such a wonderful expert in this niche, but maybe Stealth Venture Labs can help your company uh, get to the next level, especially if you're looking to incorporate subscription services into your business model. Evan, is it okay if I share your LinkedIn link for our please audience? Please do, please do. Awesome. Yeah. You can connect with Evan, and I'll spell out his name for you, especially if you're li- listening on the podcast. Uh, on LinkedIn, and you can spell his name very simply, Evan Paget, E-V-A-N, last name Paget, P-A-D-G-E. TT. So find him on LinkedIn if you connect with him. I kindly ask that you leave a note with your connection, letting him know that you saw him on the Engage Digital Marketing Series. Feel free to drop him any questions you might have as well if you watch the show. I'm sure he'd be happy to answer those for you.
1: Absolutely.
0: Let's also share his email with which is going to be Evan at stealthventurelabs.com. Again, that's Evan with an A, -A E-V-A-N at Stealth, how it sounds, venture. Labs.com. And then let's share your website. You want to talk a little bit about the company that you're the CEO at? Yeah. Venture
1: Labs. So, um, real quick about us. Like, so we're, you know, we love what we do. We love building brands. Um, We have three main aspects of our company a traditional growth agency built with experts uh, that can uh, have all managed, you know, million dollar plus a month accounts. Uh, Last month, we managed about $45 million in advertising in just one month. Um, so we got an awesome team there um, that's on our growth lab side of things. We also have a founder lab, which is really our brand incubator. So if you're an entrepreneur, that's got a business, a, an idea and need a team to do everything for you. And that's how Stealth really started was a incubator of brands. You talk to us about bringing your brand to life or bringing out an extension of your brand. And the last piece I, I wanted to make sure I actually mention is, is something very important to us is our impact lab. Um, which is our own 501c3 and we've built a a product that um, works with inner city kids and young entrepreneurs and uh, we fund that with grants to them to actually spend on their first their first advertising dollars and teach them how to bring their products to life using shopify how to actually set up their entire e-commerce experience and then fund them to be able to spend their first dollars on advertising uh, for their products and we have a, a cohort of young entrepreneurs there um, we're always looking for people to you know either donate uh, to that uh, which you can see from our website or even be a mentor to these young entrepreneurs of the future because um, I hold that very near and dear to me personally as somebody that um, skipped out on college was just a young kid with a computer um, and and had to learn a lot and it came from a, a, a sort of a rough childhood I guess would you know, that's a whole other episode to get into but the fact of the matter is, um, we, we believe the entrepreneurs of the future need to be invested into. Um, so please, if you have any interest, uh, donate or become a part of that. You can reach out to me uh, or my business partner, Brent, um, the C, uh, CEO and founder here. Uh, we'd love support there. But uh, that's what we do. Um, ready to grow your business? Happy to help.
0: I love that. And I love that you have really a nice, again, social uh, involvement piece to your business model. You guys can reach Evan at Evan at StealthVentureLabs.com. Evan, I want to thank you again so much for taking time to share your insights and experience with our audience here for the Engage Digital Marketing um, for Shopify series From you know, sponsored by Engage. Thank you so much. I hope you have an amazing rest of this year. And uh, I look forward to hearing more about what you're doing in the future.
1: Thank you very much for having me here. I appreciate it.
0: My pleasure. Have a great day, Evan.
1: You too. Bye.
0: What an awesome guest. I swear, you guys, this year we are knocking our series out of the park. If you've just found us, welcome to Engage Digital Marketing Intelligence for Shopify. Ask the experts. It's a bi weekly show. Every single week, we feature two amazing guests that are bringing you their insights and their experience. And as we learned, Evan's got 20 years of experience in, in what he does. So if there was an expert to bring on this show and talk subscriptions, it was him. So you're welcome. Evan, thank you so much again for joining us. Before I let you guys go, I just want to share with you who will be joining us on Thursday, Thursday, February 17th, 3 p.m. Eastern. Our guest will be Noor Sabor. He is a marketing manager for one of the world's largest retailers, and he's also a former Shopify marketing executive. He will be joining us to talk about designing, implementing, and managing winning pay-per-click ad campaigns for your Shopify store. So join me back here on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube, February 17th at 3 p.m. If you're just joining us and you missed today's show, check out our live show library. It's www.engage.com forward slash live dash show dash library. Evan's show will be added to this library by Thursday in just a couple of days. So if you just joined us and missed the show, you'll be able to see the full show there. We also have a podcast library as well. So go to engage.com, click the resources tab, and you'll find our live show library and also our live podcast library as well. Okay, guys, that is all for today. Again, I wanna thank you so much for joining us. My name is Marissa Morgan. Please connect with me on LinkedIn, the Marissa Morgan, or email me at marissa.m at engage.com. If you or someone you know is in the Shopify e-commerce world and would like to be a guest on our show, we'd love to hear from you. I hope you all have an amazing day and don't forget March 1st, SMS marketing coming to you from Engage. Make sure you check it out. I'll see you guys all next time.